I just caused a scene at my local Jason's Deli. I just tore up that salad bar. <laughs> and I love a salad bar because True. you go up there and you're like, oh, who dropped this mushroom and the banana Green peppers? peppers. What is this ranch yeah. dressing <laughs> drizzled all over the side of this? There's cherry tomatoes everywhere and every yeah, God. Why, why do we keep putting the little plastic tongs with the cherry tomatoes? Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real-life creeps. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Mogap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. Okay. This is spooky, because it's starting to get snowy outside. A little, like, cozy. Well, before we get into this episode, we should tell the people about the Patreon. Patreon! Yeah. It's we there. We have one. It's there at patreon.com slash true crime creepers. We have, let's see, well, like 16 bonus episodes that you can binge right now if you wanted to. We also just finished recording our 40th mini creep. 40. Can you believe that? 40 mini creeps. So those are all there. Those are like smaller, short, well, shorter episodes on different things. We just released one that's like the best next door stories. And then <laughs> okay, we- wait. <laughs> I started listening to that when I was at the gym. Just now I was like walking mm-hmm. on the treadmill. I didn't realize it had come out and I'd forgotten about it, obviously. Uh-huh. And I got through like the first five minutes and not to toot my own horn, but I had to put music on because I was laughing so hard. And I was like, <laughs> these people next to me are like... <laughs> What is this girl doing? It so makes I put me on laugh music. Too. I, I was it. cracking up. I'm like, people are so wild. So if you join at the $5 level, you get all the bonus episodes, like 16 bonus episodes, all ready for you to listen right now. You also get a shout out on the podcast. If you go up to the $7 level, you get those mini creeps and a card signed by Mo Gab and I. Autographed. It's not signed. It's autographed at this point. Auto, okay? auto, autographs. We're, we're still famous adjacent, so I have a hard time with the autographs, but they are signed by us. <laughs> and a sticker. And a sticker comes with that. And then if you go up to the $10 level, then you get all of that plus 20% off merch and you get all of the episodes ad-free. And sometimes they're up there the night before, uh, if I remember. Then <laughs> <laughs> you don't do it two days early. <laughs> And it's just a really incredible way to support the podcast. So we're over there uh, at patreon.com slash truecrimecreepers. But if you want to support the podcast in other ways, we never say this at the top of the episode, but it would be awesome if you would go follow us on social media at CreepersPod on Instagram and our Facebook discussion group, True Crime Creepers discussion group on Facebook. It's really fun in there. So come join us over there. Just hit a thousand members too. Yes. All right. So thank you so much to Autumn for recommending this case. And also a big thanks to an episode of Dateline, season 27, episode one on the outskirts of town, as well as reporting done by the Courier Press. Outskirts of town. The outskirts of town. I hope this is in Texas. It is not. This is the murder of Haley Rathgaber. All right, we're in Newburgh in southwest Indiana for this one. It's quiet, it's quaint, it's safe, country roads, open farmland everywhere. 
Haley Rathgaber was the oldest of three sisters, and from a young age, she always wanted to be her mom's little helper. Like, she loved holding her baby siblings. She would help change diapers. She would help feed them. Her younger sister, Emily, said that Haley was that protective older sister that always looked out for her and made her feel safe. And her friends said the same, that she was like the mom of their friend group. (laughs) And this mom protective thing, it wasn't just for show with Haley. When Haley was 12, she was sleeping over at a friend's house and her friend's brother had a friend stay over who was like 19 and he tried to molest Haley that night. And at first, Haley like kept what happened to herself, but then she found out that he was doing it to other girls and she was like, that's not going to happen. And she stood up to him and she ended up testifying against him in court when she's like in middle school and he went to jail. Oh my gosh. And... I know. But after that, people saw her as this like person that could fix problems that would stand up for people. And Haley decided that she wanted to go into a profession that would let her continue helping people. And she chose nursing. She'd survived a serious blood disorder when she was younger. And that was another reason that she wanted to be a nurse. She graduated near the top of her class from Castle High School, where she'd been a member of the National Honor Society and received the President's Award. And then after graduation, she went to the University of Southern Indiana to pursue that dream of becoming a nurse. While she went to school, she also worked at Texas Roadhouse waiting tables. Ah, yes. I knew we'd come in here. Give me them buttery (laughs) sweet cinnamon rolls. (laughs) And she met and started dating this guy named Isaiah Hagen. And it's kind of like... People are like, they didn't really have a label. I don't know what you'd call it. They like dated for a little while and then kind of decided they were better as friends. But he seemed like a really great guy. Like he even had friend approval. Her friends, Haley's friends really liked that. Yeah, I know. That's big in college. Yeah, really big. Her friends liked that he didn't seem overly jealous and he'd kind of let her do her own thing. And he seemed really interested in actually getting to know her friends, which is, you know, a lot to say. And to everyone, they seemed like a pretty good match, but they just never seemed to find their footing romantically, and they were just better as friends. So they decided to break up, but they remained close. And Haley was a great friend to have, so that's unsurprising. Through good times and bad times, like, she was not that fair-weather friend. Like, she was there for you in the worst times of your life. Like, her friend Jordan had gotten pregnant while they were still in high school, And the baby's father wasn't in the picture, so Haley would take Jordan to all of her doctor's appointments. She had, um, I know, Jordan ended up having a baby boy named Jackson, and she asked Haley to be the godmother to Jackson. And Haley was thrilled, like she had this new baby to play with without actually having to have a baby herself. (laughs) And she loved him. But then on April 10th, 2017, Jordan called Haley in a complete panic. She said she was in the emergency room with Jackson. Jordan's boyfriend, Thaddeus Rice, had been babysitting Jackson for her. And he said he'd been carrying the baby like down the stairs when he tripped over a diaper bag and fell down the stairs. And now Jackson was unconscious. He had no pulse. He was not breathing. The hospital transferred Jackson to their pediatric intensive care unit for a traumatic brain injury while everyone just waited to see if they could save him. And Haley wanted to do something to help Jordan. And so she and her friend Ansley, they went over to Jordan's apartment to get her like some clean clothes. 
And when they walked in, Haley noticed something really strange. The diaper bag that Thaddeus Rice, the boyfriend, had said he'd tripped over at the top of the stairs, it was now downstairs, just sitting neatly next to the couch in the living room. The bag didn't look like it had just taken a tumble down the stairs. Mm -hmm. And so Haley and Ansley are thinking that, like, have we just caught Thaddeus in a big lie? Like, this doesn't seem like Jackson got hurt the way that he's saying he got hurt. Oh but gosh. they didn't they didn't really know what to do with that information, yeah. you know, and especially You don't want to just be like, uh, by the way, we Right. But saw it was very we suspicious. Especially two days later when baby Jackson died <gasps> of his injuries. No. I know. Haley was completely grief stricken and she talked to her mom How about old was the baby? ten months he was ten months old. I know. And she talked to her mom about whether she should go to the police with her suspicions about Thaddeus. And Heather, her mom, told her that she should say what she knew. But she was also really worried giving her that advice because Thaddeus Rice had a pretty bad reputation around town. And Heather didn't know what he'd do if Haley just started making accusations. Yeah. And then two weeks later, it was April 24th, 2017, a Monday morning. Warwick County Sheriff's Detective Paul Cruz had been called out to the Alcoa soccer fields near Newburgh after the body of a young woman had been found by two women that had been driving by and spotted something lying in the parking lot of the soccer field. Mm. The soccer field was in a pretty isolated area. There was nothing around, like not even streetlights. The nearest neighbor would be half a mile away through fields and trees. And Detective Cruz knew that at night, it would have been pitch black out there. When he pulled up to the soccer field, he saw a woman's body laying on the ground with a terrible head wound that would later be identified as a gunshot wound to the back of the head. And this told police that she was probably shot by someone that she knew and somebody that she trusted. Later, they would find no defensive wounds Scrapings under her fingernails indicated there wasn't any kind of a struggle at all. There was so much blood at the scene, and the evidence at the scene showed that she had lived a while after she'd been shot. While she was on the ground, she'd rubbed a spot in the gravel with her leg, almost like a snow angel, like back and forth. Oh my God. The only piece of evidence they found at the scene was a bloody blue towel on the ground near the body. That was it. No weapon, no bullet, no shell casings. Detectives were on their hands and knees with scissors, cutting grass away, looking for a bullet or a casing or anything, Mm -hmm. and they didn't find anything. They also had nothing to identify the woman. No phone, no wallet, no purse, like nothing else to identify her. The only thing they had to lead them to an ID were a few tattoos that she had, which they took pictures of. That morning, Haley's mom, Heather Collins, she was sitting on her porch, sipping her coffee, scrolling Facebook, when she saw a news article that said that police had found the body of a young woman at a soccer field near Newburgh. And immediately, Heather tried to get in contact with all three of her daughters, who are all young women. She just wanted to put eyes on all of them, make sure they were all safe. Haley was the oldest and the only one in college at this time. The younger two were still in high school. Heather was able to find the younger girls, but Haley was not answering her phone. And so Heather called around to Haley's friends, just trying to make sure she was okay. 
And some of her friends told her that Haley hadn't shown up that morning to take an exam. An exam that Heather knew that Haley had been studying really hard for. Haley was always very reachable. It was not like her to turn off her phone. It definitely was not like her to miss class, especially an exam. And at the same time, it's not like this body found at the soccer field could possibly be Haley. But Heather could not stop that sick, anxious feeling. So she called Haley's friend Ansley to ask if she'd talk to Haley at all that day. And now Ansley and Haley were the type of friends that shared their location on their phones. Mm-hmm. So she she told Heather that she would check her location. But when she did, it just said location not available. Yeah, because her phone's off. Mm-hmm. And that was concerning. So she told Heather that she had a key to Haley's apartment and that she'd drive over there to check on her. So I feel like you need to share your location with me. Okay. Yeah. Got a, I got a lot of people's location. <laughs> I'm, I'm the, good. It was like back in the day when everyone, I had a key to everyone's house. Like now mm-hmm. I feel like this is the new age. Uh, key to your house. Location. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I totally agree. You should definitely find somebody you trust and share your location. So Ansley headed over to Haley's and she saw her car parked outside the apartment and it was like a relief to her. You know, she felt relief like, oh, Haley's fine. Her car's here. She's going to be here at the apartment. So Ansley used her key to get inside the apartment, and she was just certain that she would see her in there. But she didn't see her. And her stomach just dropped, and she started screaming Haley's name, looking all over the apartment for her, because she was just like, if if she wasn't there, where could she be? Right. It's not like it's a thriving metropolis, and she's like out in the thousands of people downtown. Right. And it's not like she didn't just miss a big exam that morning, like, which is very unlike her. Elsewhere, Haley's sister Emily was driving to work with a friend when this sudden feeling of dread just suddenly out of the blue came over her and she told her friend that she needed to find her sister. She just knew something was wrong. So Emily posted a picture of Haley on Facebook just saying, like, if anyone sees my sister, let me know. But instead of sending her sightings of Haley, people started sending her that article about the body found at the soccer field. God, why? Like, I understand what you're doing, but like, I can't imagine if you're like, hey, have you seen my sister? And I'm like, no, but here's this article. About a body that was found. Is that your sister? Yeah, I know. Finally, Heather called a detective that she knew from Vanderburg County, which was like the next county over from Warwick. And she just kept thinking she had to be wrong. She had to be wrong. But this sick feeling of anxiety hadn't left her all morning. She didn't know what else to do. So she made that phone call. She gave this detective friend of hers Haley's full name and description. And he forwarded the information over to detectives in Warwick County. And then he called Heather back and he said that he needed pictures of Haley's tattoos. She had a cross tattoo on her back with a Bible verse like written on it. And investigators were able to match the pictures that Heather sent over to the tattoos on the body of the young woman. It was Haley Rathgaber. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. 
Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day or $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck, and then access your money as you earn it instead of having to wait for it to hit your account. Any money you access, including any optional tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It is a much-needed alternative to predatory payday lenders for people that find themselves in a bind, like a bill due Wednesday when payday isn't until Friday. Or you're like me and you're just getting slammed with birthdays. Why are all my friends Tauruses? With Earn In, I don't have to worry about being late with a gift because I had to wait for payday. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Creepers under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Creepers under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around stressors, big and small. For me, this comes in the form of work, too many deadlines, relationships with people, irrational fears of the future. When we keep them bottled up, it can really start to affect us negatively, mentally and physically. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. My therapist has really been helping me work on coping skills for how to handle my stress, how to handle day-to-day tasks that I struggle with, as well as working on communicating and improving personal relationships and just talking through problems with somebody who understands. It's something I wish I'd started ages ago. But finding a therapist is so overwhelming. Are they taking new patients? Are they taking insurance? And once you find one that says yes to both of those, are they a good fit? If not, you have to start the process all over again. If they are a good fit, you've got to figure out some way to fit appointments into your busy schedule. But BetterHelp takes away all of those barriers, and I'm so thankful. I love my therapist. I really feel like they took my questionnaire that I filled out when I signed up and really used it to match me to the perfect person. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Creepers today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Creepers. Warwick detectives called Heather and asked to speak to her in person. And I might have just said, like, nope. I, like, I'm not coming. I don't want to know. I don't want to hear it. Cause yeah. Like, you know what they're going to say now, you know? And so she went and they told her that a body had been found and that they'd identified her as Haley. And she said after that moment, nothing was ever the same again. Yeah. It's like there's your life before and there's your life after that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. We've done like hundreds of these and it's just every time it like doesn't like my heart just like drops a little every time. It's just like this like little feeling where it's like. I know. I just because it's not it's so just the life; it's like also all of the lives that yeah. were ruined and changed forever. Yeah, Haley was only twenty years old, and she was murdered by a shot to the back of the head. Heather just could not believe it. She could barely process this horrific news. She just kept asking herself, "Why? Why would someone do this to Haley? Who and who? Yes, Thaddeus." 
She'd literally go out of her way to help anyone. She was so kind and generous. Why would someone do this? Well, the police asked her that same question. You know, do you know anyone who would want to hurt Haley? And Heather had an answer for them. Thaddeus Rice, Baby Jackson's killer. Detectives were familiar with the Baby Jackson case. It was actually the same detectives working that case. And they were shocked to to hear that there was this connection between Haley and Jackson like her being Haley, like her being mm-hmm. Jackson's godmother, but then also having this information about Thaddeus Rice that would prove that Thaddeus had lied about how Jackson had died. Yeah. So the day after Haley's murder, someone sent Heather, Haley's mom, a Snapchat video of Thaddeus in a car just waving a gun around. <gasps> and after watching that video, Heather was more certain than ever that he had killed her daughter. Oh, Heather's the mom. Yes, Heather Collins is the sister. Emily is the sister. Emily is the sister. Oh, I was like, call the mom. Yeah. I know. Got it. Then she found out from Haley's friends that Haley had gone over to see Jordan, Thaddeus's girlfriend, Baby Jackson's mom, that she had gone over to see Jordan the night that she was murdered at Thaddeus Rice's brother's house. Does Jordan know yet? Does Jordan know that Thaddeus, like, murdered Baby Jackson? No, that Haley Haley is is dead. Not yet. Not yet. No. Mm -hmm. She finds out very quickly. There were messages from the night that she was murdered where she was texting Jordan to tell her that she was going to come pick up her wallet from the house. And the texts were sent pretty late at night. Uh, And after those texts came out, that became the theory that she'd gone over there. She'd told Jordan about her suspicions about Thaddeus and he'd killed her. So investigators went to talk to Thaddeus and Jordan to see what they knew. And Thaddeus refused to speak to detectives, but Jordan did. And she told them that they had been home together all night that night at Thaddeus's brother's house. And the police looked at the surveillance video from the neighborhood and they saw Haley driving in, coming to get her wallet. And then they saw her leave, but they never saw Jordan or Thaddeus leave. And so it was a pretty solid alibi. Heather was shocked because it seemed like maybe it hadn't been Thaddeus. But if it wasn't him. What's with the Snapchat then, Thad? Who could it be? Yeah, right. Like waving around this gun. Yeah, I think. Yes. She couldn't stand the thought of Haley's murder not being solved by her funeral. And she brought up something I have never thought of before. She talked about how she couldn't imagine standing in the receiving line of the funeral accepting all these people's sympathies and hugs and words of condolences and comfort, (gasps) all the while not knowing if it was one one of them them that had murdered her. I never thought of that before, but how horrible would that be? Just every single person, because there's reason to believe that it was somebody that she knew and trusted. Like, that's kind of what things at the scene are are implying. And you would definitely go to the funeral because it'd be weird if, like, someone she knew and trusted wasn't there. Exactly. So you're definitely going, especially if you're some weird sicko that would enjoy that. (laughs) Exactly. And I just had never thought, and I'm like, that's so true. Like, God, I hope they- Haven't we had a case where, like, the killer's been at the Mm -hmm. funeral? I feel like we've talked about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'm just well, we've had several cases where they, like, go to the funeral to try to catch the guy- and we did have one where they were arrested at the funeral. I can't remember who that was, but someone, it was two people, like a guy and a girl, and they were arrested at the funeral. 
but I can't remember. After basically crossing Thaddeus Rice off their list, investigators turned to another suspect. They'd found surveillance footage from Haley's apartment showing someone picking her up a little after 10.30 the night she was murdered. This is after she'd already come and gone from picking up her wallet from Jordan's house. That this better person not be Texas Roadhouse boy. Was her ex-boyfriend, Isaiah Hagen. No! Texas Roadhouse boy. Investigators are sure that this is it. This has to be who killed her. This is the last person to see her alive that night. They found Isaiah. So they had this surveillance footage from a little after 1030 at her apartment. Then they found Isaiah on camera again around 2 a.m. walking around Walmart with his friend Jake Allen. And Haley was nowhere on that video. So investigators go to talk to Jake, to Isaiah's friend, and they ask him what he and Isaiah were up to that night. And Jake had been best friends with Isaiah since eighth grade. And he also waited tables at Texas Roadhouse with him and Haley. And, you know, everyone at the restaurant was just shocked and terrified at the news of Haley's murder. This was like your typical restaurant, like everybody goes out together after their shift, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, young kids, like close waiting tables, fa- that culture is Yes, exactly. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Truly I mean, agree. We've all yes. been there, but mm-hmm. I just mean that it's, it's I never something. waited tables, but one of my best friends early in college, she did wait tables and You're like we were together, together all the time. You're so. hooking up. Mm-hmm. You're making oh, yeah. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. uh, Yes. So the uh, the people at the restaurant were actually holding a candlelight vigil for Haley at the soccer fields where she'd been found. And Jake was like about to go head out to go to this candlelight vigil when a detective showed up at his door to talk to him about Isaiah. Hmm. Jake was really worried at first that the police would think that he was somehow involved in Haley's murder, but he told them what he knew. He said that night, Isaiah met up with him around 1130, about an hour after he was seen on camera picking up Haley from her apartment. And Jake said he and Isaiah played video games for a while, and then they went to Walmart. And he said they were together until around 430 that morning. And he told the detectives that Isaiah had told him that Haley had wanted to go meet somebody out at this local park. And so he would picked her up and dropped her off there like a few miles from the soccer field. Now, this seemed really weird. First off, if Haley was meeting someone else, why would she call Isaiah for a ride out there just to be dropped off and left alone at that park? Like, why wouldn't she drive herself? She'd driven herself earlier that night to go pick up the wallet from Jordan, so it wasn't like there was something wrong with her own car. And Jake told investigators there were other things bothering him about this story. He said that Isaiah wasn't really the type of person to just leave Haley out there at the park by herself. He was way too overprotective for that. He'd want to make sure that she was okay. And he also told investigators that he had recently been growing really concerned about Isaiah. This is somebody that he had known and been close with since eighth grade. And he said Isaiah had always been a stand-up guy. But recently, that was changing. Jake had started hearing stories of Isaiah doing things like stealing. Isaiah's roommate told Jake that Isaiah owed them rent and had stolen their TV. He'd been borrowing a lot of money from, yes, he'd been borrowing a lot of money from friends too, including from Haley. At one point, Haley lent him like $600 to pay his rent, which like when you're in college and waiting tables, like 
even now, right now, it would be really hard for me to lend somebody $600, much yeah. less if I'm just like a college student waiting tables. <laughs> I think it would have been easier for me to lend him when I was waiting tables. I mean, that yeah, I did have less bills at that time. <laughs> Getting that cash. And even after giving him that money, Isaiah stole another $300 from her. Haley noticed the money missing from her bank account, and she saw that it had come from a check. And so she checked the photo of the check in her banking app, you know, how you can like do that. Yeah. And she saw that the check had been made out to Isaiah Hagen. And in the memo spot at the bottom, it said for groceries. And she's like, I didn't do that. And she, yeah, exactly. So he like took a check and filled it out himself. Yep, exactly. So Haley had confronted Isaiah about the stolen money and he had promised to pay her back. So she had told her friends that she'd forgiven him because that's who Haley was. Now, do you really want to know where he was on April 29th being interrogated? <laughs> I do, Tay Tay. I do. He was being interrogated uh, April 29th, 2017. Investigators brought Isaiah Do you know in. where I was, though? <laughs> Can I just tell you real quick? Can I just tell you real quick? April 29th, 2017. It was my 30th birthday, and my friends had arranged <laughs> flying all my friends in and surprising me. But it wasn't like one big surprise party that just kept happening. And uh, I, it was like the most like anxious. It was, it was insane. It was like, I would get over one surprise and someone else would walk in. Oh, that's really sweet. That's really awesome. Oh, that's nice. It was really really awesome. And I feel terrible telling that story as we're talking about a murder. But April 29th, 2017, could not be more different for me and this gentleman, not a gentleman, this young man. Correct. Yeah. Because he was in an interrogation room. Investigators had brought Isaiah in for this interview. And he seemed really calm for a young guy being brought in for questioning about his good friend's murder. He told police the same story that he'd told Jake. He said that he'd picked up Haley at her apartment around 1030 to take her to meet someone out at a park. He told investigators that Haley, like once they got to the park, Haley had said, you know, you can go if you want to. And. He'd asked her if everything was okay, and she said that, yeah, everything was fine, and so he left her there, and he said that when he left, she had her phone and her wallet on her. Neither were found on or near Haley's body at the crime scene. She didn't have any of that. He said he then went to go hang out with Jake until around 4.30, and then he went back to Haley's apartment to pick up some concert tickets, which I think were in her car, so he'd, like, gone into her car. 4.30 in the morning? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotten concert tickets out of her car, and then he got home around 5. You're like, yeah, yeah, 4.30 in the morning, I need these tickets right now. Right. Well, and then the next day, the day that Haley's body was found, Isaiah had been trying to sell those concert tickets, claiming that he was selling them for Haley. This is also weird. So weird. And apart from all the weirdness, there was one giant problem with Isaiah's little story here. That That it's all a lie? (laughs) Well, yes, exactly. That park that Isaiah had said he'd taken Haley to, yeah, it had surveillance cameras. And (gasps) Isaiah and Haley weren't anywhere on them, ever. He was definitely lying. And the dozen or so detectives watching this interview remotely from the next room, they all knew it. So they pulled Isaiah and Haley's cell phone location data, and it proved that both of them had been on that soccer field. So he's on video picking her up late that night, and then the cell phone data shows them traveling together to the soccer field. I mean, this is pretty strong evidence against Isaiah. Yeah. 
While they're at the park, Haley's cell phone is turned off. It goes dark. But Isaiah's stays on and they see him leave the soccer field and go back to Evansville, which is like the big town, like the big next town over. Oh, I'm familiar. Yeah. So so detectives go in and they confront him with all this information. Hey, you are lying. We know you weren't at this park. We know you were at this soccer field. And he doesn't even look rattled at being called out on these lies. Oh, my gosh. He just apologizes for lying. And says that he said that because he was really scared at admitting that he'd been with her at the soccer field where her body had been found. But he swears that he was just dropping her off to meet someone else and that she was fine when he left her there. He also said that she had given him like $200 that night, though. $200. Hmm. Like, it's looking like he just killed her for $200. Right. And so he didn't have to pay back the groceries and the rent. Yeah, that's true, too. But then investigators say, well, actually, we know that that story is not true either, because hours after you left the soccer field, Haley's phone is turned back on and it's in the same location as your phone. (gasps) Oh, shit. Yeah, but Isaiah (laughs) has an answer for this, too. He says Haley's phone must have somehow gotten left in his car. No, no girl's leaving her phone behind, especially if she's at a park by herself. Right. And as detective, right, like you're not checking to like message whoever you're meeting at this random park in the middle of the night at like 11 o'clock at night. I'm so tired of these people talking about everyone leaving their cell phones behind. We're not doing that. All right. We're We're women. We don't leave our cell phones behind. (laughs) No. We're not doing that. (laughs) Ever. Stop. And as detectives continue to question him, his excuses get less and less plausible. Later in this same interview, he says that actually he was driving along and he just happened to spot her phone lying in the road. Oh, my God. Isaiah, (laughs) actually, you should quit speaking because then you just keep digging yourself. Yeah. So he had stopped the car and picked up the phone and then he continued driving. But then he got like nervous about having her phone. Even though, and I don't know, maybe this was like the next day after her body was found. He was like nervous about having her phone, he says. So he threw it out the window. Or he said he was nervous about having the phone before Mm -hmm. he knew she was, you know. Right, exactly. Is that what he means? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He also said at another time that he found the phone in his car and then just threw it out the window. So... One time he spotted it on the road and he stopped and picked it up. Another time he found it in his car. Both times he threw it out the window. But the next morning he texted Haley asking if she was okay. Like the after he had dropped her off at this supposedly at the soccer field. The next morning he texts her if she's okay. And if Isaiah is telling the truth here about throwing the phone out the window, he'd know that she wasn't going to get that text. So why would he send it? Oh, good point. Because he's establishing an alibi. Yeah. Not a very good one. (laughs) Terrible one. The detectives told him that his story made no sense. And they just kept asking him, why would you do this? Why would you kill Haley? But Isaiah stuck to his story that he would never do anything to hurt Haley. And there really wasn't anyone in Haley or Isaiah's life that would have disagreed with that statement. His friends all said he was never aggressive. His parents said he was a shy kid. And really good-natured and easy to get along with. And everyone loved him. And really, what is the motive other than the money? $200, right. I know. It's crazy. It seems 
He wanted to go into teaching and be a soccer coach. I mean, there was just nothing, no signs, no nothing that he would ever do something like this. Except that he's into soccer and it's at a soccer field. That feels weird. (laughs) Well, yeah. And but recently it seemed like Isaiah had just been spiraling. He wasn't that same person that he'd always been. He'd been desperate for money. He'd been stealing from his friends and his roommates. That seemed to be the only motive that investigators could fi- had been able to find, that he'd killed Haley and then stolen money from her. Mm. But I also think you're right that it was the other $900 that she'd already given him, tech- well, 300 stolen, 600 given, that he was going to have to pay back too. Yeah, but like think about how much more you're losing. Like, yes, I know that's like a lot of money or feels like a lot of money, mm-hmm. but like you're going to ruin your whole life and end hers. Right. Like, I, that I don't. And understand. you brought a gun with you to that soccer yeah. field. Like, right. his parents said, like, he hated guns. Like, he never wanted to use them. So he's not like somebody that's just carrying around a gun all the time. Like, he brought parents that don't gun. Know their kids. Every parent, yeah. every time we do these, it's like, that's not my, like, parents, I'm sorry. You don't know your kids until they're 30. Like, <laughs> everything you think you know about your kid right now, it's a lie. Wait till they're 30 and then get to know your kid because they're all pulling fast ones. <laughs> they just are like, I'm sorry. You don't know. You don't really know your high school kid. You don't know your call. I mean, whatever. I'm not a parent, but out of a hundred and however many of these episodes, not one time has a parent been right about their kid. Okay. <laughs> like they just haven't. Well, not when their kid is the murderer. No. Yeah. But I think, like, you do kind of get an idea of, like, if your kid is comfortable or not around guns. Because they were gun owners, the parents. And that's what they said. And so I'm like, okay, if he's not comfortable with guns, because I believe he did this, then that means that he took that gun, like, specifically to go kill her at this soccer field. Like, he took it with him, went and picked her up, and then took her to this soccer field and then shot her in the back of the head. So he, but it sounds like he's comfortable with a gun to me. Like, that sounds comfortable. You know? Yeah. I mean, I certainly couldn't do that. I'm so uncomfortable around guns. Like, I would have a hard time. I recently heard this story that this girl was talking about. She had let her dog out to use the bathroom in her backyard. And her backyard is like a six-foot fence all the way around it. And just after she'd shut the door, like a minute later... She heard knocking on the back door of her house. Oh, and, stop it. I Stop it. Yeah. And she talked about, like, the, she called the police and everything. He wasn't there. Like, they didn't find anybody. But she talked about she had a gun, but she did not want to, because she was like, one of the things she was thinking was, I could get my weapon and I could open the door. And But she's like, I don't want to shoot somebody. <laughs> like, I don't want to yeah. have to shoot somebody. And that's like, that's why I don't have a gun, because I'm like, I don't want to have to shoot somebody. But gosh, even if I even if I had to, that would be tough. So, yeah, it does seem like if you're just going to go to the soccer field, your friend turns around. And you just shoot them. I don't know. And like, I mean, I guess we won't know. But like, was there an exchange between them? Like, is there like, how did he get her out to a soccer field at whatever time in the morning? Why was she going with him at all? Like, I tried to find, like, any information about what they found on her cell phone. And they did find, like, information on the cell phones. But I couldn't really find any articles 
or anything talking specifically because I'm like, did she ever send a text talking about wanting to meet? Like, did she send a text talking to, to anybody about meeting up at this soccer field like yeah. that could support Isaiah's story? Or is there anything on there between her and Isaiah that would like talk about why he was picking her up at 1030 at night? to I mean they're college right. kids so 1030 is like when you go out so you know I don't know <laughs> I mean I just forget yeah. those days you know because I'm like yeah I'm just now applying mascara to go out at like 1030 absolutely yeah you're not even thinking about you're not even figuring out where you're gonna go until nine o'clock and then the girls come <laughs> yeah. over and then you get ready and then you go out around 1030 or 11 and like that's when the party's like just getting started and then you're out there till 230 three o'clock in the morning and then you go home and it's like never good. <laughs> Nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> Don't people. eat the fruits. Never good. <laughs> oh, man. So God, we're old, washed up. Just hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, <laughs> We've lived a life. OK. <laughs> Geriatrics over here. <laughs> Got my cheaters. My hip hurts. I, mean, I just ate at Jason's <laughs> Deli. So Look, I ate at Jason's Deli my whole life. I loved Jason's Deli. It's not my favorite now, but the ice cream is good too. Mm -hmm. Oh, I had some ice cream tonight. I had some little blue oil. Okay, I got to get back to this story. All right. So detectives let Isaiah go around three in the morning, but they brought him back. I think it was like a few days later. And this time Isaiah asked if he could talk to his mom after they'd been interrogating him for a while. Well, you want to talk to your lawyer, not your mom. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, you better lawyer up, kid. But also his mom was a corrections officer that worked at that oh. jail at the station. Yeah. She was the one usually in charge of walking suspects to these interrogation rooms. And now it's her son in there. And so they allowed her to come into the room and be alone with Isaiah. And she said she just hugged him. She felt totally helpless. She wouldn't tell detectives what they talked about. And after her visit, Isaiah stopped talking, of course. That's probably what she said to him. Yeah, she was probably like, shut up. Stop talking. That's what I would say to him, whether or not I thought he did it. Shut up. Stop talking to them. Get a lawyer. Which is why I'm wondering if it was a few days later. Maybe it was like the next day that they brought him back. They weren't very clear on the timeline there. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine, but the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pro's proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's 
P-R-O-S-E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. But detectives got a warrant to search Isaiah's house where he lived with his parents. He'd recently moved back in with his parents. Like, the kid was having money problems. He owed his dad money. Like, I and I couldn't ever get to the root of what this money problem was. Like, he wasn't, like, spending money on drugs or anything that we know of, right? It was just, like... I don't think so. kid that doesn't know how to do his money. But I don't know. That never came up in anything that I saw, but... Like, he owed his dad money for a check that bounced. Like, he had... So that's not even the root of the money problem is money he owed his dad. Like, that was a... What do you call it? Like... Just the fallout from the, these this money issue that he's having, yeah. But maybe you're right. I don't know. Maybe it was like drugs or something like that. That didn't I mean, come up. I don't want to but... just assume that. But I just was thinking, like, where's all this money going? Like, why can't he? Like, he's working, you know, right? And he now he's living at home with his parents. So yeah, where's the money going? Yeah, I know. I couldn't find anything about that. So detective searched his parents' house where he lived. And they found a towel that matched exactly the towel that was found at the soccer field. The detective was like, same make, same model. And I'm like, it's not a car. (laughs) (laughs) Same make, same model. They also found that Isaiah's dad owned a few guns and one of them was missing. Then the FBI had gotten involved and they were doing all the cell phone stuff and they found texts on Isaiah's phone between Isaiah and his father Showing this desperation for money, like he owed his he owed money to his dad. Like I said, his dad texted him late the night that Haley was murdered, saying, got the money yet? And Isaiah responded, waiting for her to get off, but I'm getting it for sure. I'm getting it for sure. Mm hmm. And his dad just responded, "Okay." And the FBI said that the cell phone data put Isaiah with Haley while he was texting this to his dad. Like, this is around 11 o'clock that he's, like, 11-11, I think, that he's getting these text messages. And at this point, like, he's definitely with Haley at the soccer fields. Or it's after he's, like, quote-unquote dropped her off or murdered her because he but was at... dad is, like, in on this? I don't think so. This text message has seemed a little suspicious to me, but it's two text messages. And so I don't think that you can, like, tell a whole lot. I think that he had just kind of been on Isaiah's case to pay him back this money. And, like, he definitely, well, I think that he definitely did not know what Isaiah had planned on how he was going to get this money. But he got, like, 200 bucks that he then, oh, I think I said this. Yeah. So, okay. So the FBI put him with there the next morning. Isaiah had left $200 in cash for his dad on the counter at their house. And it, I mean, it just seemed like such a weak motive. Like you kill your friend that lent you $600 that wasn't mad at you for stealing $300 from her, but you kill her to steal another $200. But detectives said they'd seen people kill for less money than that. But it just seemed. I mean, this is true. Yeah. But I mean, did you work at Texas Roadhouse? Like, pick up two extra shifts. Steal money out of someone's <sighs> apron. Like, go in the right. back where y'all store all your shit and go through someone's purse. You don't have to shoot someone in the back of the head. Like, 
literally, there's a room where everyone stores all their stuff when they're waiting mm-hmm. tables. Mm-hmm. Just rifle through something like a little raccoon. And then, like, I don't understand. Or just, like, talk to your parents about why you're having money problems and, like... Yeah, get a second job. Get help or with whatever it is. Like, yeah. Uh, also, if your kid owes you money, like, I don't know. Like, I think he should pay his dad back. But, like, the dad's pressure isn't helping. Like, it's well, and, like, why are you texting him at 11 o'clock at night? Got the money yet? Like, what is that? That's why. What? Yeah. I feel like yeah. that. I think that's, like, got the money from her yet. But I don't know. Well, and he said... I'm waiting for her to get off of work. Like, that was his response to got the money yet. I'm waiting for her to get off of work. So That's he knew so, like, that he Dad, was. Dad, you know. You know that he's trying to get money from her. And her might be Haley. Her might be a manager. Maybe he meant, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's so, I don't know. So detectives charged Isaiah with two counts of murder. Plain old murder and murder while committing or attempting to commit robbery. One count of robbery resulting in serious bodily injury for stealing her wallet, and one count of obstructing justice. Why for that? Just for lying? For lying, yeah. For lying, and yeah, I think that's all. Maybe deleting. I think he deleted some text messages and stuff too, but yeah, lying. His trial began in May of 2018, but it ended abruptly after three days after at least one juror saw Isaiah in a holding cell while walking through the court building. And there's a reason that defendants are allowed to wear suits and ties instead of their prison jumpsuits to court and a reason why jurors aren't allowed to see them in handcuffs or in shackles. like Because this can affect the jury's perception of them. If they see them handcuffed, they see them in shackles or in jail, like they see them as a criminal. And so it's a way to protect innocent until proven guilty. So a mistrial was declared. But a few weeks later, the trial was restarted with a new jury. And Haley's family was all super nervous. I mean, you see this go... Wait, wait, wait. wait. Go back. So... Someone sees him mm-hmm. is like his attorney right then like, whoa, or does he call it out? Like someone had to like. I'm sure he told his attorney like, hey, I saw that juror walk by my cell that morning. And I'm, I'm like, what kind of background? I've never been like on a jury, obviously. And I've never been like back at the cells in a courthouse. Yeah, so I don't know what that like back like back area looks like. But how are you putting like the way to where a jury has to go? right past the cells like I don't like why would you walk past that I would feel like you'd have to go out of your way to walk past the cell I feel like you should have to go out of your way but I don't know yeah I don't know the the blueprints of this courthouse (laughs) (laughs) well then why are you the expert yeah I'm not an expert at courthouse floor plans (laughs) nobody asked me well a few weeks later Haley's trial was restarted and Haley's family is all super nervous and I just can't imagine like I'm sure the mistrial didn't help with that at all you know and they just wanted justice for Haley at this point that's all that they could ask for but they knew that this wasn't a slam dunk case like there were no eyewitnesses there's no physical evidence at all I mean basically this entire case is all just circumstantial yeah is there no DNA no no DNA his DNA was nowhere on the towel nowhere on her body Like, it was all just Haley's. Yeah. What they did have was video evidence proving that Isaiah was the last person to see her alive. 
and cell phone data showing that they were at that soccer field together. They had the interrogation video showing Isaiah lying to detectives about Haley's cell phone, evidence that he was having money problems and had been growing increasingly desperate for money, and that he'd done a lot of things to try to cover up what he'd done, like texting her the next morning. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Isaiah's defense attorney, Mark Phillips, said that the prosecution had fixated on Isaiah from the start, and they were basing their whole case on guesswork. He pointed out, you know, all all the lack of evidence, no physical evidence, no murder weapon, no confession, no DNA. Even the towel at the crime scene, like I said, didn't have any of Isaiah's DNA on it. But... It was hard to get around the nine and a half hours of interrogation video of Isaiah just lying through his teeth to detectives. The defense tried to show that the interrogators were aggressive. They had like basically cornered Isaiah in this room. They were like up in his face. They're yelling at him. They're cursing at him. The the defense attorney said that Isaiah was very intimidated by them and that he lied just to get them out of his face and because he was mm-hmm. scared. The defense tried to present Thaddeus Rice as their compelling alternative suspect because you really just need to get reasonable doubt from the jury, and they were hoping that Thaddeus Rice would get them that reasonable doubt. That had Mm -hmm. a much stronger motive. You know, he was facing murder charges for killing Jackson, and Haley had information that could really hurt him about seeing that diaper bag in the living room when he said he'd supposedly tripped over it. That's more to me than 200 bucks. Right. And he was also much more the type. Like, Isaiah had never been in trouble before. He was a really easygoing guy up until recently with all the stealing. But Thaddeus was a twice convicted rapist, including of a minor when he was 22 years old. He's not a good guy. I mean, he's a very, very bad guy. Besides Isaiah, Thaddeus was one of the last people to see Haley that night. She'd gone over there that night. And by the way, Thaddeus Rice would receive a 40-year sentence in the death of baby Jackson. The defense also pointed out that Haley's own phone showed that Isaiah could not have killed her. Haley's phone stopped sending a signal around 1130 that night, the night that she died. And then mysteriously, four hours later, it turned back on and pinged off of a cell phone tower near the soccer field and then started traveling. And by this time, Isaiah was miles away. He was in a totally different county than the phone. So someone else must have had Haley's phone, except for the fact that Isaiah is saying that he threw it out the window, you know, later. So I don't. The phone is. Yeah, but they're like the phone. They're um no. They went and looked for it exactly where he said he'd thrown it out the window. They never found it, which is maybe why I guess that's why they didn't have her text messages. So that explains that whole question that I had. But the prosecution, because they're like, why would the phone be pinging off of the soccer fields four hours later when it was like turned back on? Yeah. But the prosecution had a theory that when you power your phone back on, it'll show that it pinged the last tower that it was near when it was turned off. And so that's why it looks like it powered up near the soccer field. And that's why it looks like the phone was traveling because it was like going towards where it, it actually was from where it had been where it turned off. It was just like the pings catching up to where the phone actually was. They said that this was just a theory that they had. It wasn't like tested or anything like that. And I'm like, y'all either need to get an expert in here or throw out all of the cell phone location data information because it doesn't seem right to me to use cell phone data that like matches your theory 
and then throw out data that doesn't match your theory. Yeah, unless- it's weird they wouldn't call an expert. They're just like, ah, oh, here's just a theory we had. Yeah. It and- doesn't seem, a murder trial doesn't seem the time to be testing theories. Right. And I don't think they even brought up this theory at trial because they like brought it up in the Dateline episode mm. <laughs> because they wouldn't have let in that information because that's just them throwing something out unless it was maybe yeah. during like closing arguments. I think you can just say whatever the hell you want during closing arguments. That's what it's kind of seemed like in all of our stuff. But yeah, but I don't know. So the defense also pointed out that the coroner could not pin down a time of death. And so the prosecution can't say for certain that Haley was killed before Isaiah left the soccer field because they just don't know that. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Like, but she was killed there at the soccer field. So, and he was there with her at the soccer field. So, yeah, it, yeah. I mean, they didn't have a smoking gun, but I feel like they had enough. He was there. He was the only one there. He'd taken her there. There was a gun missing from his house. They couldn't, and it, and it was like the same size. Yeah, the gun missing. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, did they mm-hmm. match the bullet? Well, they couldn't because they never found a bullet. They never found a bullet. They never found a casing. But it was of the same size that it could have made that wound. But like, so could any number of yeah. size guns. So. Uh, It didn't exclude the gun, but it wasn't like, you know, really solid evidence. But again, circumstantial evidence, it is still evidence. And I think sometimes there's not enough. And then I think sometimes it's like an obvious conclusion. (laughs) Like, you know. Yeah. Even though it just. It's not like there's other options either. Like, to me, sometimes it's like, oh, we don't have. I don't. I hate going back to this. But, you know, like. Scott Peterson, right? It's like, there's all these things that point to that it could be him. But there's also all these other options, you know, like that gang of people, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. all these other things that it could be the robbers across the street, the people that were killing the other pregnant people. Okay, to me, there's not another option here, except for maybe Thaddeus. And that feels like a stretch because he never left. He, You're right. He never left. They didn't see him on anywhere on camera. Even if he had managed to leave the house and meet up with Haley, why would she have gone to meet him? Yeah, she wouldn't have gone. She wouldn't have been alone with and him. But what's with the Snapchat with the gun? Was that just him being a thug? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. But because he was like that, t- like he was like not a good guy. He had a very bad reputation. Like that, he that's yeah. the type of thing he would do. But it's I. <sighs> He definitely seems like a far better suspect with a far more compelling motive. I really want to know where these money issues are coming from. And I couldn't find anything to explain that. And I think it has to be more money that we don't know about, Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Like, it can't just be this. But then he's like killing her for 200 bucks. Well, I I think it's. I think maybe. Did it. Do we know the text from the dad? It didn't say like 200 exactly, right? It was just money. Yeah. So it's like maybe that's all. Like maybe he thought there was going to be more. She had more honor or. Because I just have to think that like. Yeah, but like how much more? Like $400 more? $1,000 more in her wallet? But she she did go to Jordan's to specifically get her wallet. So maybe. Maybe. She knew, like, maybe she went 
to meet Isaiah, like, knowing that she was going to give him money. But why wouldn't she just give him money at her apartment? Why let him pick her up and take her to the soccer field to give him money? Because they're friends. And so it's like, hey, let's go, you know, I don't know what else. Hang out at this soccer field. field. Yeah. I don't know. That does make me feel like I keep forgetting they're in college. I'm like, oh, hang out at the soccer field. They're, like, in high school. But no. No. I mean, it is, like, small town, quaint, like. Yeah. I don't know. She lived near her parents. You know, she lived near her mom. Yeah, I don't know. It's the only thing I the only other thing I could think of is so convoluted. It's like it's like Sherlock says, the simplest answer is usually right, you know. So Mm -hmm. to to explain it any other way besides Isaiah killed her because that's the simplest answer. He was the one that was there. He's admitted to being there. He's on video taking her there. A gun of his is missing. He has the same type of towel that was found there. Like all of those things add up. He killed her. The only other thing I can think of would be so convoluted, maybe even involving Jordan, which I don't think she had anything to do with this. But how else would Thaddeus Rice meet up with Haley? And he seems to be like the only other logical person, unless it's somebody else that we like have never even heard of. But just some random dude. That just happened to be meeting up with her. I don't know. And then they never found her phone because of stupid Isaiah who has admitted to throwing her phone out the window. So it was I don't him. think he threw it out the window. <laughs> I think he uh, maybe he did throw it out. Oh, I think he definitely threw it out the window after he killed her and s- took it off her body along with her wallet. He took the cash and th- probably threw that out and the window too. Concert tickets. Like And then he went and stole concert he, tickets from her. Yeah. To he, sell them to get money. Okay. Yeah. He owed he someone. <laughs> he, yes. He owed someone something more than mm-hmm. his dad, $200. He like moved back in with his parents because he was like living with roommates and then like stealing from them and owing them well, rent money. Had to yeah. move back in with TVs. his parents. Mm-hmm. This isn't like, oh, mm-hmm. I owe someone 500 bucks, you know? Right. Because like he like didn't pay rent for like several months. So that's like, you know, thousands of dollars right there for rent, depending on how much your rent is. Yeah, it's probably Plus like the thousand dollars he'd stolen from Haley. Plus the TV, the concert tickets, like yeah. yeah. He owes somebody something. Yeah. So Haley's family's as convinced as we are, probably more so. And they're getting really nervous because the defense is doing a pretty good job of poking holes in the prosecution's case. Haley's friend Casey was at this trial every single day, and she was getting more and more convinced that they were not going to get their conviction as the days went on. There just was no direct evidence tying Isaiah to Haley's murder. But then the prosecution put Isaiah's mom, Donna, on the stand. She was The prosecution did? Mm-hmm. And she was oh, shit. definitely a reluctant witness, and the prosecutor had no idea what she was going to say. But he thought that Isaiah had told her something when she'd come in during his interrogation, during that interrogation. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to put her on the stand and just kind of see if he could at least make something look suspicious, you know, like about what Isaiah said. He was shocked at what she said on the stand, as was everybody else. On the stand, under oath, Donna testified that Isaiah had told her in that interrogation room I'm that on the edge he of my seat. had shot Haley, but it was an accident. And that he'd thrown the gun away in a dumpster behind a liquor store. Wait. 
She just says this? Yes. Why? On the stand. Does she like mess up or is she like thinking, I'm so- well, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you why she says she said what she said. <laughs> the defense attorney, Mark Phillips, he could not believe that she would say that. He said he felt like he'd been sucker punched. Like, like, ma'am. Yeah. What did you just say? This was something the defense had definitely not been expecting her to say. No one saw this coming, and he had no idea how to address this. And Heather Collins, Haley's mom, she said it was an amazing gift. Not honestly, not that I think that the jury needed this, to be honest. I think that they would have convicted him. But the judge called. This was like a mom to mom. Like she's just feeling for Haley's mom. She's a mom. I don't know. The mom thing is powerful. It may be so, and maybe that's what she was feeling up there. But the judge called for a recess, and the courtroom was cleared. And I think Mark Phillips, the defense attorney, was going to get on the phone with Donna or get her into a room and be like, okay, we got to figure out what you're going to say about why you just said that because you just tanked our case. Yeah. Everyone needed a moment to absorb what had just been said. Like, this is it. Isaiah did it. He shot Haley. You, it was basically over at this point. Like, this wasn't some jailhouse snitch. Or even a friend that could have a motive to lie. This was his own, own mother. Mama. Like, you cannot get more credible than that. So court reconvened and Mark Phillips brought Donna Hagen back on the stand in an attempt to salvage what was left of What are you going to say? <laughs> All right. The only game plan that he had was to try and convince the jury to not believe Donna. So on cross-exam, like, or to, like, what have op- mercy, maybe. But, like, what like, options, no, n- no. What options do you have at this point besides, like, don't believe what she just said? So on cross-examination, he had Donna explain what I'm sure was a very well-rehearsed conversation during this recess. But Donna explained to the jury that she believed that if the jury heard that it was an accident, then they couldn't convict him of murder and he would get a lesser sentence. So she'd actually lied, she says. And again, like, what else were they going to say? And I obviously don't believe that for a second. You don't take somebody out to a soccer field, shoot them in the back of the head by accident. Like, yeah. how does that happen? And then take their wallet and phone. Why <laughs> like, did you even bring a gun? Why did you bring a gun when your you're friend. so uncomfortable with guns? Yeah, to meet your friend. I don't believe that for a second. I think that for sure during this recess, Mark Phillips went and met with her and they came up with this story because what else are you going to say? I mean, you have to address it. You have to try. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like what? Like how else could you possibly explain that besides like. I think I would have said like, yeah, I don't know that. Do you go the route like, OK, he did it and it was an accident. So you go for like manslaughter and not. But the evidence, none of the evidence he like Mark Phillips would have been explaining this to her. None of the evidence is going to back up that this was an accident. So you can't say that it's an accident. So then they come up with this story. This is what I think happened. He came up with this plan during this recess of you're going to say that you lied. You made it up that he said it was an accident because you thought he would get a lesser sentence. And this is somebody, this is a corrections officer. This is somebody that's like been around the legal system. So I don't believe for a second that she would have thought that either. I don't know why she said what she said. I don't know if it was a lapse in judgment. I don't know. And they didn't even know the question that had preceded it, like, before she said what she said. 
And the jury didn't believe this new story either. It only took them four hours <laughs> to find him guilty on all four counts that he was charged with. He An was hour count. Yeah, is- exactly. He was sentenced to 60 years in prison, which he agreed to like it was a deal that they made after the conviction to avoid the possibility of life without parole. Uh, He ended up uh, appealing the sentence and the court found that basically three of the four charges relied on the same evidence. So it was basically double jeopardy. Like they were like, you've basically charged him three times for the same thing. That's all using the same evidence. And that's double jeopardy. Because you can't be tried for the same thing twice. Anybody that's seen the Ashley Judd movie should know that. I, I already know. I know that without having to watch Ashley Judd the movie. Well, you're really missing out because it's an excellent movie. Her husband faked his murder and framed her for it while he stole all this money and went off living the good life. So she went to prison. And then she got out of prison and went to kill him. And it was double jeopardy because she'd already gone to prison for killing him. So she couldn't go back for killing him again. She'd already been convicted for it. It's a great movie. Well, how did she go to prison for killing him if he wasn't actually dead the first time? (laughs) He framed her for his murder. He like faked his death and framed her for it. Oh, faked it. I got it. Mm Mm-hmm. Is excellent. Interesting. Yes. So anyways, one of the murder charges was thrown out and the robbery charge was brought down to like a theft, which is a misdemeanor. But it didn't change anything about his, his sentence. He still had 60 years. He's still a convicted murderer. He also, in his appeals, really tried hard to get Donna's statements thrown out. There was like 17 pages of this appeal that was all about like the court's decision on why her statements were valid and were not going to be... Because it's the truth. Thrown out. Right. Yeah. So Haley's mom wants Haley's heart to be her legacy, the way she lived her life and not the way that she died. She says that Haley was driven and stubborn and compassionate and sweet and just everything rolled into one. And she ended up getting a tattoo on her back shoulder that matches Haley's tattoo that had like the cross Mm -hmm. and the Bible verse. And that is the murder of Haley Rathgaber. I'll just never understand. Like, Mm-mm. no. In this one, I and, really and don't how it get. I just so cannot. Often. Yeah, yeah. Wow. The internet is so weird. What? Why am I like reading this article? And I'm scrolling down. I'm looking at pictures, and there's just this fat bulldog, and it says this dog refuses to give birth, and it's like some weird ad. Like, <laughs> yeah, I hate the weird ads. <laughs> It's weird. Gross. Well, that is our episode today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for... You guys are the best. (laughs) Thanks so much. You truly are the best. (laughs) Gracias. Oh, MoGab's really getting good on her Spanish. (laughs) If you want to support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash truecrimecreepers. Um, You can find us on social media at creeperspod on Instagram. Um, the True Crime Creepers discussion group on Facebook and uh, be sure to subscribe or follow so you can find out exactly when the next episode drops when I will tell MoGab another wild story. Bye peeps and creeps. <laughs>